All right, so we good? We feeling good? You look, you look fabulous. I'm glad you guys are here. My name is Ryan. Um, once again, I'm the student pastor. Tonight, I want to talk about enjoying God. Everybody say, enjoying God. Let's say it one more time as a group, enjoying God. All right, so we all enjoy a bunch of different things, right? We enjoy, um, we enjoy sports. We enjoy our family. We enjoy our friends. Um, we enjoy uh, relationships, we enjoy hobbies, we enjoy video games, we enjoy food, we enjoy sports. Uh, we, we enjoy a lot of different things, and the, and the kind of the common denominator is that um, it brings us joy. Like, we enjoy doing it, we like it, we like the result, we like doing it, we like the way it makes us feel. And so there's a lot of things I enjoy. I like, like, one thing I really enjoy, well, hopefully I'm going to enjoy this weekend, Hopefully, I'm going to enjoy a Florida State win over Florida. Hopefully. Hopefully. All right? So, I said hopefully. I said hopefully. All right? So, my, my bride and I are going to go down and sit in the middle of Gator alumni and uh, cheer for the Seminoles, and I'm pumped to do it, baby. So, so those are some, we all have these different things we enjoy. And so, uh, something that I enjoy, and you guys, people that are, people that are here a lot are going to be like, Ryan, just get off it, man. Like, stop talking about it. But, but something I really enjoy is Chick-fil-A. You know me too well, guys. Chick-fil-A. I enjoy Chick-fil-A. Let me tell you how much I enjoy Chick-fil-A. This is, have you ever noticed, like, when you enjoy something, you can, like, talk about it. Like, you can talk about the reasons. You can talk about all the intricacies. Like, someone else will be like, like, okay, like, great, you, you like whatever, you like basketball or whatever, but you can be like, well, I like it because this, 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 and this. I love going in at halftime. I love tightening up my laces. I love getting my ankles rewrapped. You can give all these different small things that other people wouldn't understand, but you understand. And so when it, ta- when it comes to Chick-fil-A, I want to just tell you the reasons why I enjoy it. I enjoy the red and white logo. I enjoy driving down Beach Boulevard and taking that left-hand turn into the Target parking lot and just knowing that Chick-fil-A is coming. I enjoy walking in and everybody knows my name. It's like cheers. I walk in. I'm like, hey, guys, how we doing? Giving high fives to all the employees, giving fist bumps. I'm like, yeah, I'll take the usual, kind of doing one of these numbers and looking at everybody. And they're all like, hey, Ryan, how you doing? Welcome back to Chick-fil-A. I enjoy that. I enjoy, um, I enjoy looking at the, at the menu, even though I know what I'm going to get. Number three, wheat bun, no pickles, Colby Jack cheese, large fry, large sweet tea, four to five Chick-fil-A sauces, depending on how frisky I'm feeling. That's what, like, I know what I'm going to do. Like, I enjoy, I know you like that, Bryce. I enjoy going in and looking at my order. I enjoy, actually, this is crazy. I enjoy swiping my credit card because I know I'm one step closer. I'm one step closer. I enjoy having a coupon. I enjoy having a, a survey that I fill out on my phone and I just put random answers because I don't really care. I'm just trying to get the free sandwich. I enjoy, um, I enjoy sitting down and picking my, my area, depending on who I'm with. Um, I enjoy... Uh, opening, well, okay, this is the thing I least enjoy. I hate opening the Chick-fil-A sauce and all that comes out across is like a sliver. And you're like, gosh, you got to reach your fingers in the Chick-fil-A sauce and you're like trying to get it out and it's all over your hands and you're, you're all sticky and everything. Like, I don't like that. But when, when I, lo- I enjoy when it's just a clean open. I enjoy eating my fries first. And I, I'm not talking about the little tidbits and the end pieces. Those are garbage. I like the fat waffle fries. Like the, anybody? Come on, the fat one. It's like this big. Woo, come on, baby. We're church. So, so you... You, you, you open it, and you can't even dig it, dig it or, like, stick it into the, uh, into the sauce because it's too fat. It's just, like, it won't even fit, so you got to, like, kind of twist it up and stick it in. And then you, uh, and then, and then I, love, I love finishing my fries and then opening up my hot, steamy sandwich. I open up the foil, 
pull it out and the, and the cheese is melted and I cut it in half and then I enjoy dipping it in. I also even enjoy envying and being jealous of the people that come in. That sounds weird, but like when people walk in and I'm done with my food, I'm like, I wish I was them. I don't know what their life is like. I don't know if they're like going through the worst time of their life, but at this moment, they haven't eaten Chick-fil-A yet and I have. And so I'm jealous of them. I enjoy looking at people and being like, good on you, man. I'm proud of you. You're coming here to eat and you haven't even eaten yet, man. You, you, you have so much to enjoy, so much to come up. I just, I enjoy so many things about it. I can just describe it all day long. And that's kind of the way things are with enjoyment. And, and I want to talk about enjoying God, enjoying God. Now that's something that we usually don't put together. A lot of times we see God over here and then we see enjoyment over here. We're like, well, God kind of, most of the things God wants me to do, I really don't enjoy very much. I, I don't really enjoy the things that I have to do for church. Or I don't really enjoy that. Maybe that's why I don't go to church. Maybe, maybe I don't really want to uh, associate with God very much. I see things on TV or I hear things and I'm like, those are things that really I don't want to deal with. I, and a lot of times we separate enjoyment from God. We, we say, those are two different things. Like, I would separate those two things. And, and so I want to look at a, at a, um, at a scripture um, about enjoying God. And, and it's written by King David. And many of us know about King David. King David was the father of Solomon. King David was the one who, when he was young, took up a stone out of a river, slung it at a giant and killed him and became the greatest conqueror in Israel's history. King David is the man that killed lions and bears with his, with his bare hands. King David was the man that the Bible describes as after God's own heart. So King David was like, like one of the all-stars of the Bible. So turn over with me to Psalm 27. Psalm 27. If you open up halfway on the Bible, you'll probably be in Psalms, just about. Halfway and a little bit to the left. We're going to go to Psalm 27. My favorite Psalm in the history of Psalms, and there's like 139 of them or something like that. So um, there's a lot to choose from, but my favorite is Psalm 27. And what we have here is, again, we have a man that enjoyed God. We have a man that was going after God's heart. And so we see in Psalm 27, and we'll read the whole thing, why he enjoyed God. And, and just like I listed off, like all these reasons why I love Chick-fil-A, like I could tell you every single detail. In this, in this passage, King David's going to do the same thing. He's going to tell us every single detail he likes about God. He's going to describe right down to the T why he loves God, why he enjoys God. So we're just going to read through, and I'm just going to kind of give you a few things. And if you have a pen, I'd love you to take notes. Taking notes doesn't make you holier. It just uh, is a way for you to remember what's going on, remember uh, what, what happened, um, remember what we talked about here. So the first verse is where we're going to start, Psalm 27.1. We there? We there? And if you're not there, uh, you can look up on the screen. But I'd love you to read it out of the actual Bible. By the way, if you don't own a Bible, you can have the Bible that's in your hands. Just read it for us, okay? Uh, Psalm 27. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. One thing uh, we see here is that David enjoys security. He enjoys the security of God. Look what he says. He's like, I'm not really worried about anyone hurting me because God is my light and my salvation. Why, why should I fear anyone else? I can hide in him. I can, I, can, I can go into the stronghold of God and not be afraid of anyone. The stronghold would be where, where people would hide as the last, uh, kind of as the most protected place in a city. And so he says, he's the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? So he is a, he's, God is his security blanket. So he enjoys that God provides 
security for him. Moving on to verse 3, it says, Though an army besiege me. Think about it, this is one man. An army comes against me. It could be 20, 30, 40,000 people. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. There's many times where our hearts fear much less than an army. Our, our hearts fear very small things when it comes to the, to the large scheme of things. So though, a, though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. The war break out against me, even then will I be confident. The second thing he enjoys about God is confidence. He enjoys confidence in God. Because here's the thing, he knows that God's come through for him every single time. There was a time where he was in a, in a cave hiding from the king at that time, King Saul, who was coming to kill him. And all he could do is depend on God. Is put his confidence in God. And guess what God did? God came through. God came through on his promises. God came through on making him the king. God came through on making him a great ruler of Israel. God came through on forgiveness and grace and mercy. And so he says, I'm confident in him. Why would I not be? Look at what he's done for me. So he's confident. He enjoys the confidence in God. Verse four, this is my, probably one of my favorite scriptures in like the history of everything that is in the Bible. Uh, it says this, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. A third thing that he enjoys is spending time with God. He says, I, I just really want one thing. If I can have one thing from God, this is what I seek. I just want to dwell in his house. I just want to spend time with him all the days of my life, every day. I just want to gaze upon him. We had a whole series called uh, Look Up, and we had this hashtag, Look Up Jackson. It was all about looking up to God's glory. That's what he's saying he wants to do here. I just want to gaze at him and seek him in his temple. So he enjoys spending time with him. He enjoys talking to him, praying to him, sitting with God and just listening to what God has for him. Moving on to verse five. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe. Once again, he's, he's confident in him. He, he can hide in him. He will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Verse six, then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, they call this the tabernacle. At his tabernacle, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Another thing David enjoyed was sacrificing, was sacrificing with joy and praising God. He, he enjoyed praising God and being thankful to God. Because look at this, he says, I will sacrifice with joy. Now, usually when we sacrifice, we don't really like it. Like, it, it's usually a bad connotation in our society. We're like, oh gosh, I guess I'll sacrifice this so I can go to this. But I really don't want to. But he says, I'm sacrificing with joy. I'm excited to sacrifice. Why? Because I love God that much. I'm so uh, excited to be a part of God's family that, uh, whatever, I, I don't care. Just take everything because I love him that much. So he, he enjoys sacrificing and he enjoys being joyful in God. Moving on to verse seven. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face, your face, Lord. I will seek. What he's saying here is like, my heart wants to seek after God. So that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna follow through with what my heart wants. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God, my savior. And then look at this next verse, it's huge. Though my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. In verse 10, we see that he enjoys unconditional love. Unconditional love. When he messes up, God still loves him. When he rejects God, God doesn't reject him. When, when, he, when he pushes God away, 
God doesn't do the same. He says, even if, what he's saying with the father and mother, and some of us have been forsaken by our father and mother, but, but, but even if it's not our father and mother, we've been forsaken by someone. We've always been forsaken by somebody at some point because people are not perfect. And so what he's saying is, even your closest ally, your best friend will forsake you at some point, but the Lord will always, always, always receive you. Much like Sidney said, he values you and loves you no matter what. So David enjoyed his unconditional love. You want to see proof. David was a murderer. David was an adulterer. What an adulterer means is that he had a wife and then he took someone else's wife, slept with her, had a baby with her, took her as his own wife because he was the king and he could do whatever he wanted. And there was no accountability. And then he had the old husband killed. That's about as bad as it gets. That's about as like, as just savage as it gets like you just kill somebody's kill somebody's husband and then take his uh, take take the wife and 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 have a baby with her that's like as bad as it gets and yet he knows the lord still receives him he has unconditional love from god so he enjoys that verse 11 teach me your way lord lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors do not turn me over to the desire of my foes or my enemies for false witnesses rise up against me spouting malicious accusations. And here's the last thing in verse 13 and 14 that he enjoys. Again, think about this, just like, like I was describing all the things I love about Chick-fil-A. This is what he's doing. He's describing all the things he enjoys about God. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness. You could also translate this as the glory. I can see, I will see the goodness or the glory of God in the land of the living. What this means is I'm going to see it in my lifetime. A lot of times people are like, well, you know, like the world's terrible and we're never gonna see God until we, until we go to heaven or until we, until we die. But what he's saying is, I'm gonna see God now in the land of the living. I'm gonna see him because his glory is all around me. And then he says this in, in 14, he says, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart, wait for the Lord. In other words, he's saying, I'm gonna see the goodness, but I might have to wait. I might have to wait because circumstances are bad and I just might have to wait a little bit. I might have to be patient. I'll be strong, I'll take heart in God, and I'm just gonna, once again, I'm just gonna have to wait for the Lord. So he enjoys being patient, which is something we usually don't enjoy, but he enjoys being patient because he knows God is gonna come through. He can be confident in God's provision. So we see in Psalm 27, so many ways that that David enjoys God. So flip over to Job, it's the book right before this. Job 33, 27 and 28. Job 33, 27, and 28. What's going on here is Job lived like a terrible life. Like everything went wrong. He lost his friends, he lost his family, he lost his his money, he lost his food, he lost his home. Everything got destroyed. And God said, even if you take away everything from uh, from my servant Job, he will still love me. And so he's kind of having like this accountability session with a friend of his. And his friend has given him some advice. And here's what his friend says. Once again, chapter 33, verses 27 and 28. Actually, I'm gonna start in 26. It says, um, The person can pray to God and find favor with him. They will see God's face and shout for joy. He will restore them to full well-being. And then in 27 and 28, it says this. And that person who has been saved by God will go to others and say, I sinned. I perverted what is right. I did the wrong thing, but I did not get what I deserved. I did not get the penalty that I deserved. That's what we preach in church. That's why we talk about Jesus. We don't get the penalty we deserve. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, and we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So what hope is there? There's hope because it says, while we were yet sinners, while we were saying, I don't want you, God, I don't want your son, I don't want your sacrifice, he still died for us. 
So the man says, I, I didn't get what I deserve. Verse 28, God has delivered me from going down to the pit and I shall live to enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. I shall live to enjoy the light of life. What, what he's saying here is because God saved me, I'm gonna enjoy life. I'm gonna enjoy what he's given me. I'm gonna enjoy the things that he's given me, even if everything's going wrong, there's so much we have to be thankful for. Sometimes we just have to, uh, we, we've heard this before, we have to just sit down and, and, and dwell on the good things because there's so many good things God's given us. He, he's given us a nation that is safe. He's given us a, a place where we can, can worship God. He's given us families. He's given us food. We all have food. We all have clothes on right now. So he's given us those things that many other people don't have. He's given us so much, but most of all, he's given us grace. There's a song that says his grace is enough. And what it's saying is even if everything else is gone, I got grace. I have grace. And so we are called to enjoy his light. So two more things and then we're, uh, then we're done. Two questions. Is God your savior or your judge? Is God your savior or judge? Write that down. Is God your savior or judge? And a second question I want you to write down is, do you have a relationship or a contract with God? So is God your savior or is he your judge? And do you have a relationship or a contract? See, the answer to these questions changes the way you live, changes the way you give, changes the way you serve, you spend time, money, everything. Changes your relationships. Because if you see God as a savior, you'll enjoy what he's done for you. If you see him as a judge, you'll be scared of him. You'll go, you'll, you'll run from him. That's what many times we do in the world. We're like, ah, I don't want to go to church or I don't want to deal with God because I've done too many bad things. Well, God has saved us from those bad things. He's not here to judge us. In fact, um, uh, John three seventeen says he has not come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. He's come as a savior, not a judge. And the secondary thing is we have a relationship with him. We're called into relationship, not a contract. A relationship says, I'll forgive you if you do something wrong. I'll, I'll die for you. You know, I'll give you grace and mercy. A contract says we have to earn it. If we do this, God will do this. There's nowhere in the Bible that says, if we do this, God will do this. That's not how it works. God's given us a relationship rather than a contract. And quite honestly, we should be happy because we don't want a contract. That means we have to earn it. That means we have to keep up our end of the bargain. And we can't do that. It's impossible. So do you, do you have a God that's a savior or a judge? Do you have a relationship or a contract? And here's the last thing. Enjoy God. Enjoy God. And put an exclamation point on that. Enjoy God. Because that is what we are called to do as Christians. Hebrews 4.16, you don't have to even turn over there. I'm just going to read it real quick. It's the last thing I'm reading, I promise. Hebrews 4.16 says this. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Another way you could say that is we can find grace and mercy to help us when we've messed up to help us when we've done wrong, to help us when we've turned away from God. And so what I, I, if you can remember one thing, I just want you to remember, God is something to be enjoyed. Grace is something to be enjoyed. Mercy is something to be enjoyed. Go ahead and come back up, Ben. Mercy is something to be enjoyed because here's what usually happens when we do something wrong. We see God as a judge and we say, I gotta run away. We see him as a contractor and we say, I didn't hold up my end of the bargain, so he's gonna hurt me or he's gonna hate me. The truth is that we see in Jesus, when he goes to the cross for us, when he died for our sins, the truth is we see a savior. See, we see somebody that wants to have a relationship with us, no matter what we do. Remember, David said, I'm gonna enjoy you because you will not forsake me. No matter what I do, you have unconditional love for me. 
So we're called to enjoy God. This is what that means. When you mess up, don't run from God. Does that make sense? When you mess up, don't run away from God. Stop running from God when you mess up. Uh, many times that's our, that's our thing. We're like, okay, I did something wrong. I'm going to spend a couple days and give, give God a little break from me because he's, he might be kind of tired of me right now. And that's how human relationships work. That's what we do with our parents. That's what we do with our boyfriends and girlfriends. We mess up and we're like, I'm going to give them some time to cool off. That's not how God works. He doesn't need time to cool off. What he wants to do in that moment when we've messed up is forgive us. He wants to give us mercy. He wants to give us grace. And so rather than messing up and running the opposite direction from God, that's when we're called to enjoy the grace because that's when we need the grace. That's when we should turn towards God and allow him to hug us, allow him to be in relationship with us, approach him with confidence, knowing that he will give us grace and mercy. So are you enjoying God or are you scared of God? And the way you enjoy God is through his son, Jesus Christ. That's what the whole New Testament's about. Actually, that's what the whole, the whole Old Testament is about. It continually speaks of a man that will come and change the world, will change the way everything functions, will change the old law and bring in a new law that's built on relationship, that's built on grace and mercy, a, a God that will live in our hearts and no longer have to tell us what to do, but will show us what to do from the inside out. And so I, I just want to call you as Christians to enjoy God. If you don't know Jesus, if you've never given your life over to Christ, I want to give you the opportunity to enjoy God. And this is, this is what it means. It's just what we call a salvation invitation in church. And, and what it means is that you give your life, surrender your life over to Christ. You say, I'm, I'm done. I'm not in control of my life anymore. I want you to take over things. Because quite honestly, God, you understand things more than I do. You see, Jesus went to the cross. He went to the cross and died a death that we could not die for our sins. In that moment, a lot of times we think, oh, well, he just went to the cross and died for me. No, he not only took the pain, because a lot of people got crucified, right? There have been millions who have been crucified over the, over the course of history, but his was special because we believe he is the perfect lamb. In the Old Testament, they would sacrifice a spotless bird or a spotless lamb as a sacrifice, and it, it must be spotless. It must be pure, or else it was not good enough. Jesus was the same way. He was a sinless man. He was fully God and fully man. And so when he went to the cross, his sacrifice was enough. And so everybody bow your heads, close your eyes. I'm going to give a salvation invitation. Many, many weeks, most weeks actually, we, we do this same thing. And it's because it's that important. It's an urgent situation. And I'm going to keep talking, but just keep your head bowed and just listen. Listen to the words. Um, once again, in Romans, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you'll be saved. Confess and believe. This means that my prayer can't save you. Your parents' faith can't save you. Church can't save you. Being good can't save you. Only God can save you. And God does that through his plan of Jesus. Jesus is the savior of the world. And so I want to give you an opportunity to pray a prayer. And it's not my words to save you. It's, it's believing in your heart that Jesus is Lord. So pray with me if you want to give your life to Christ for the very first time. If you want to say, I'm ready to give my life over to you. I've heard about you, but I want to experience you. I want to enjoy you finally once and for all. And the way we're going to do this is I'm um, on the count of three. I'm going to count to three. Um, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to raise your hand. And just so you know what you're getting yourself into, um, 
we're going to have some of our leaders, um, we're going to have some of our leaders looking, um, looking for hands. And why they're doing that is not to embarrass you. We're not going to bring you up on stage or anything, but I want to meet you. I want to talk to you about your decision because we want to follow up. We don't want you to just raise your hand and walk out and nobody talks to you. We want to actually come alongside you. That's why we're here as a student ministry. So I'm going to pray this prayer. And on the count of three, if you want to pray this prayer with me, I want you to raise your hand and raise it high and raise it boldly because you want to enjoy God once and for all. So one, God loves you so much. Two, this is your time. Three, shoot your hand up. Shoot your hand up. Shoot your hand up. No one's looking. Shoot your hand up if you would like to turn your life over to Christ and pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I'm yours. I know I need a savior. I know I need your sacrifice on the cross. Lord, I surrender my life to you. Forgive me for the things I've done wrong. I thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. That you love me enough to die for me. And I accept that gift and that good news. Come and be the Lord of my life. In your holy and precious name I pray. Amen.